Welcome to Midweek Motivation. Let's go. Hey there, my friends. On this week's, I guess, midweek motivation, got something a little different for you. Uh, I had the opportunity to preach at uh, our church, uh, Olivet Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, while our pastor was out this past weekend. And um, I preached from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And I used my experience at the Tahoe 200 from 2018 as an ongoing illustration throughout the passage um, to help illustrate the spiritual points and it, it fit. And so, uh, so I, in front of the church full of people, I got to talk about uh, running 200 miles and running ultras and, uh, but also even more importantly, uh, sharing the word of God and sharing the principles there in God's word. So I figured I would share it with you guys today. I ripped the audio. If you would prefer to see the video, it is uploading to the Run the Riot podcast YouTube page. You know, I know this is not for all of you, uh, but for those of you who might get something out of it, man, I appreciate you listening. I hope it blesses you. And uh, yeah, here we go. What I'm going to attempt to do today um, is use some of my, one of my experiences to illustrate this passage of scripture. And the, the, I guess the, the danger in doing that is you'll walk away hearing a lot about my experience, but not making the connection with God's word and the principles that are in his word. So I want to ask you to do this today. As you hear the story, I want you to always be listening for the, for the spiritual connection. And when you think of the illustration, I want you to think of this passage of scripture and think of the challenge that's before us today from this passage of scripture. So all that being said, my Sunday school is going to love today because last time I preached, they, they, they had a pool going wondering how many times I was going to talk about running. So those of you who know me know I run a lot. Um, last year, I ran, uh, in, just in training, I ran uh, 3,060 miles uh, in training and, and races. That's a lot of miles to cover on feet. That's kind of my, what I, you know, my hobby and, and what I do. I go out and run, run these races. And it, it started pretty much in, in 2009. I, I, I did jujitsu. I had, uh, I tore my ACL and I had ACL reconstruction surgery and I decided that uh, I wanted a goal to rehab my knee. And so I said, I had never run a 5K, a 10K, a one mile. I never ran a race. And I said, I'm going to run a marathon within a year. For those of you who don't know, a marathon is 26.2 miles. And so I rehabbed my knee. I trained up. And in December of 2010, I ran my first race a marathon in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I lived. It was cool, you know? It was, I, I was, it was, it was rough. It wasn't the easiest thing, but I did it, you know? I ran a marathon, and I was like, I kind of like this running stuff. And so I went back, and then I went back, and I ran a 5K, a 10K, and some of the others, and I did multiple marathons and, and uh, enjoyed it. That became, you know, something I did and, and enjoyed doing. I was pretty good at it. So after running a bunch of marathons, I heard about this thing called an, an ultra marathon. And for those of you who don't know, an ultra marathon is anything above 26.2 miles, which normally starts with a 50K, 31.1 miles. So you would think that somebody with common sense would, would, would just 
well, most of you are like, I wouldn't even run a marathon if I had common sense. But, so, but you would think that I would sign up for a 50K, like, because it's just five miles more than a marathon, you know? No, I signed up for a 100 miler in the woods, in the swamps of South Louisiana. And so December of 2013, I trained myself up and I ran, it was called the Cajun Coyote. I ran 100 miles in the swamps of Louisiana and, and, and did pretty good. And here's a little treat for you today. I'm going to, uh, picture number one, here's what my feet look like after. That's not from spraining my ankle. Both my feet just look like that. I found out that that happens after your first 100 miler. And so I, that's pretty, huh? It looks like sausages or something. So, um, okay, you can take that off. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. So um, you would think that after that I would, I would be, um, you know, I, I'm not going to ever do that again. But, no, I, I went back and I ran 50Ks, 50 miles, and I, I did some others. And, and so, you know, long story short, since then I've run over 40 ultra marathons. Uh, I've done 15 of 100 miles or more. Um, I've done 20-something um, marathons and, uh, you know, done pretty decent at it. I, I have an ultra-running podcast that God uses because I share my faith in it. And so um, all that to be said, I want to share with you when I decided in 2018 I was going to run the Tahoe 200. If you don't know, that's a Tahoe 200 is 205 miles around in the mountains around Lake Tahoe. And so I, it was on my radar, and I kept dropping hints to Jennifer, and I was like, ah, look at this. This is really cool. You know, it's Lake, Lake. we could go to Lake Tahoe. And then, and then finally in 2018, I, I, she gave me her, her blessing, um, and, and she said she would support me. She said some other stuff too, but she said she would support me in it. And, and, uh, and I signed up for the Tahoe 200. So here's, here's the thing. When you sign up for a race, when I got online and I filled that application out and I hit submit, I'm not just committing to show up at the starting line. I'm committing to show up at the starting line ready. So I had to make an assessment of myself when I did that. Am I the man right now that can run 200 miles? And as I evaluated my, my running and everything that I did, I was like, you know what? When I hit submit, I am not the man right now that can run 200 miles around Lake Tahoe. I had to make an honest assessment because in, month, in a few months' time, I need to be that guy. I need to be the man who can show up at the starting line and run 200 miles. And in a real way, what Paul is doing here is he is giving himself an, just he's assessing himself. I love God's word because the writers are always just real people. And that's what I love about Paul. Paul's just, he's just real. I love Romans chapter seven because I relate to it where Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And you, you can see the conflict that he wants to live the Christian life, but he keeps falling, but he keeps trying. And, and I, I love that about him. And Paul wrote all these things that we looked at last time about, about living the Christian life. And then Paul makes an honest assessment of himself. He said, not that I have already obtained this. Like, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I, I need to work toward it. He says in, in verse 13a, he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In 12a, he says, not that I've already obtained this. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. 
I'm not that guy yet, but I'm working toward it. And you see, Paul looked at himself and he realized, he said, I I have not arrived. And church, I I want us to to, to just kind of look at ourselves today. Paul was satisfied with Jesus, but he wasn't satisfied with his Christian walk. And I would like for us to look at ourselves and realize, hey, you've not arrived. I've not arrived. We're not there yet. As long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as we are here on this earth, we have not arrived and we've got work to do. God's got work to do in us. We've got to have an honest assessment of where we are. The first thing, you've got to know your place. Know your place. And you see, um, Paul wrote in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he said, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands, thinks that, if, uh, thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, he said, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, they had uh, a reputation for being alive, but, but they were dead. They had a reputation without reality. And so we need to make an honest assessment of ourselves and realize that we've got work to do and we're not there yet. I doubt that anybody, does anybody here today think that they're perfect? Okay, good. I don't see any hands. <laughs> I don't think anybody, any of us would say that I've arrived or I'm perfect. But maybe our spiritual lives reflect that we don't think we have work to do. And we think we're, you know, we're good enough. I go to church. I go to Sunday school. I read my Bible. You know, I, I do some stuff. You know, I do some things. But we don't really... Get it? We're complacent. We're complacent. And, and as Christians, complacency is our enemy. And we can become complacent, complacent when we compare ourselves to others, but don't compare ourselves to Christ. You know, if you're running a race and you're running against 12 people and you're ahead of seven of them and you're just like, I'm good. Well, you still got five people ahead of you, man. Push it, you know? And we're so good at comparing ourselves to people around us, but not comparing ourselves to Christ and not giving us an honest assessment of where we stand. So I want to ask you today, evaluate yourself. Have you become complacent in your spiritual journey? Are you just maybe resting on the sidelines and not even in the race? I think there's a lot of room for the church where we need to just wake up. As, as individuals, as individual Christians, we wake up as individual Christians, the church wakes up. And so we need to just assess ourselves through the word of God. You know, it's kind of funny. I remember uh, as I was studying this, I remember reading, I remember talking to a, 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 a guy about just, just growing in Christ. And, and I came to the realization that the more I get to know Jesus, Boy, it's sweet. You know, the more you get to know him, it's so sweet. You get to know him. But, but the more I get to know him and about him, the further I realize I've got to go. You know, the bigger that gap is in who I am and who he is. And that doesn't mean I need to throw up my hands and say, oh, well. It means I just got to dig deep. And I got to just honestly assess myself and do what I need to do. Uh, how many of you remember the show Mythbusters? 
Any of you seen the show Mythbusters? It's a cool show where they, where they take common myths and they try, to approve, they try to prove them or disprove them. And it's kind of fun because they build things and they have cars and explosions and all that stuff. But there, was a, um, there were some sayings when they came to a conclusion that they didn't like. One of the sayings was, he says, I reject your reality and replace it with my own. And I think a lot of us, when we read God's word or we hear something in scripture that, that goes against how we're living or how we believe, we wouldn't say that out loud, but we just like, I reject your reality and replace it with my own. You know, we deny the truth. And I said this in Sunday school this morning, um, you know, when we believe one thing or live one way and God's word says we should do another, who's wrong? <laughs> We're wrong. We're always wrong. It's, it's God's word that's right. That's our standard. Um, another saying they had on Mythbusters was uh, when something blew up and everything was going crazy. They would just stand there, well, there's your problem right there. And, um, you know, when we read God's word, I don't know about you, when I read God's word, I, I get convicted. I'm like, oh, that's my problem right there. You know, it happens a lot. Um, and so we need, to, we need to know our place. We need to do an honest evaluation, assessment. I think we do this pretty, a lot of us are more prone to do this during the new, the new year, but I think it needs to be something we do pretty regularly. So, so know your place. Paul knew his place. Second, know your plan. All right, I've got to become the guy who can run 200 miles. Well, I've got to have a plan. I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to work. I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this. So, so what do I have to do to run 200 miles? Well, I've got to run a lot. I've got to start putting in miles and miles of training. Every day there's something that I've got to do. So when I sign up for, when I sign up for the race, I'm not only signing up to start the race, but I'm, I'm, I'm not only committing to start the race, I'm committing to all the training that must take place to get to the starting line. I'm not just saying, oh, I'm just going to show up and let's see what happens. Some people do that. It's pretty spectacular, the crash and burn that happens. But, but I'm committing to all the training that must take place. And so uh, go ahead with the next slide. So this is just an example. When I ran 200 miles, that's the, the, Jen's always teasing me about my spreadsheets. I got spreadsheets and all this stuff. And that's, that's, that was my training and mileage and all that stuff. Uh, I do things a little bit differently now. But, but those are the miles that I ran to get me ready to run 200 miles at Lake Tahoe. And so here's the thing. Some mornings, like if you look at some of those, they're kind of blurry, but if you look at some of those, it's like I got to wake up and run 30 miles on a Saturday and then get up on a Sunday morning and run 20 miles and then go to church. So I would tell you that on a Sunday morning after running 30 miles on the trails the day before to wake up, I don't feel like running. <laughs> I don't feel like getting up and doing it. And so that motivation is, is, is not always there because, you know, I'm tired. And so I heard somebody say that, you know, we don't always have to be motivated, but we have to be disciplined. Well, there, there's something right there because we don't always wake up feeling very Christian, right? <laughs> I mean, some of you, I know you all, I know some of you just wake up and you're like, good morning, Jesus, you know, and you're just happy and good and ready to study your Bible. But let's be honest, you know, we wake up. Sometimes we don't, we're not very uh, spectacular in the mornings. We just got to do it. We just got to be disciplined to do it. So 
That's the plan. I've, I've got races laid out in there, some shorter races, some 50 milers in Colorado, some 50Ks and other things that I would do to test myself and get myself prepared to be the guy who ran 200 miles. Well, Paul had a plan. Paul began to say, he says, not that I am imperfect, but he says, I press on. And we're going to talk about press on in just a minute. It means to go after with the, de- the desire of obtaining. He says, I'm pressing on to make it my own. And then he says, but one thing I do, one thing I do. I have to pause here. Paul said, one thing I do. The Bible has some other one things. Jesus said, one thing you lack to Martha uh, in uh, Luke. One, he said, uh, and then he said, uh, no, that was in Mark. And then in Luke, uh, in Luke to Martha, he said, one thing is needful. And then in uh, Mark, he said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Uh, and the Bible has a few one things. But I think for a lot of us, we got too many things. We got too many things that we focus on. You see, we were meant to live where we focus on the one thing and everything flows from that in our lives. And we do, I know we do a lot of things, but our focus should be living for, for Christ, living for God, doing the things he's called us to do, being the people he's called us to be, and then everything else will flow from that. But we're focused on trying to keep up with the things of the world and trying to keep up with all of these things instead of honoring and glorifying Christ. And Paul said, one thing I do, and it's kind of funny, he says, one thing I do, and it looks like he names two things, but they're both sides of the same coin. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lays behind. So what might Paul have to forget? I want to remind you, there's some bad things in Paul's past. Paul was the guy who persecuted Christians. Paul was the guy who stood there while they threw stones at Stephen until he was dead. Paul was the guy who gave orders for stuff like that to happen. There are a lot of people who think that, remember when Paul prayed that the thorn in his flesh would be taken away? There are some people that think it was a problem with his eyes. There are other scholars who think that Paul was always thinking about those Christians that he persecuted and had put to death and that would always come back to him. And think about this. Paul was going around and preaching at churches and in the congregation are the people he was speaking to. There very well could have been people he persecuted or family members of people he persecuted and maybe had put to death. Now, you guys, you're a good-looking bunch and you're, you're very friendly. But I can't imagine having to preach in front of, you know, if I had beat you, <laughs> you know, or had you beaten or had your family member put to death or something. So Paul, Paul, you know what? Paul had to realize that in Christ we are new creatures and I've got to, all that junk, it's forgiven. It's forgiven. I need to walk in the newness of life. And there's so many Christians that like, God can't use me. I've messed up too bad. God can't, can't work through me because I did this, this, and this in the past. And God's like, I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. I want to use you. I want you to do awesome things for the kingdom. Just do it. There are people that say, um, you know, God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Who are you? Who are you? You're not God. If God's forgiven you, 
We need to walk. And we, sure, we, we learn from our, our, our mistakes and we take note of those things, but we move forward. You know, in races, I've had races that I started and I couldn't finish because I got injured, I got sick or something bad happens, but I can't go into a new race dwelling on that. I have to learn from those mistakes and move forward. But see, not only did Paul have to leave those bad things behind, there's probably some, some pride and some good things Paul had to leave behind. Because Paul, if you, uh, earlier in the Philippians, Paul talks about how, how he had the, uh, the lineage, the pedigree, you know, his family lineage, who he was, and how he, even before he was, when he was a baby, he was already following the Jewish law. He had the education. He was the magna cum laude and the sum cum laude. He, was, he had all these, these credentials and things. And at this point, he had already done some great things for the church. So he could be looking at his past. You know what I've done? Do you see the things that I've done? And you know, I, I've, I've talked to people before and when you're talking to them about the Lord and their, you know, their church and their relationship with the Lord, all they do is talk about things that have happened in the past. But it's like, wait, what's going on now? What are you doing for God now? How are you growing now? And so some, sometimes we, we, even as churches, we can rest in the things that we've done in the past and become prideful in those things when God has more for us, and we can come, I did, oh, I did my time, I did my thing, I'm good. God's like, I've got so much more. Let's go, let's go. And so, so forget what lies behind. And here's another note, if you try to run a race and you keep looking behind you, you're gonna trip and fall or run into a tree, bad stuff's gonna happen. Don't ask me how I know, okay? So, and he says, and straining toward what lies ahead. I like, I like the, 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 the word there. He says, I'm straining toward, no, I'm not just skipping toward what lies ahead. I'm not frolicking, I'm straining. The picture there is, is, is like a, a runner crossing the finish line just with everything that he's got. I, the way I think, I think of like, a, you've seen movies where everything's exploding and the action hero's running on top of the building and he's, there's a helicopter and he's got to jump off the building with everything and he grabs the bottom of the helicopter and save the planet or something. I don't know. But so that's kind of the picture. He's like, I'm, I'm straining toward what lies ahead. And so um, we should be straining toward what lies ahead, looking forward to what God has for us. And you say, well, well what do we do? And so the, here, here's the deal. You got, you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. And so what's your plan? What's your plan to grow in godliness? What's your plan to figure out what God wants for you to do? What's your plan for, for this year. It's a good year to start, you know, reading your Bible daily, reading through the Bible, being committed to pray, join a D group, go to Sunday school, be committed to worship, all those things that we can do. You know, somebody asked me when they saw all the running I'm doing and they're like, what are you doing? What are you training for? And I joked, I was like, I'm training for life, you know? And, uh, but th- that's what we're doing. We're training for, for life when we're, when we're doing what God's called us to do. Because the tests are going to come, the trials are going to come, the temptations are going to come, the tough times are going to come, which leads to, the, to the, the next point. Paul says we need to press on. We need to press on. So when you're running a race, when you're running 200 miles, um, you, see, you see people running and they post on social media, on Instagram and, and Facebook, um, 
and they post uh, the pictures, and everything looks all smiling and, and running and happy and everything else. Uh, show, show, show the next picture. So this is in the Tahoe 200. You know, look, look how beautiful, man. You can see the, the water of Tahoe. I'm going up a mountain. I'm happy. I remember that. I remember when I saw the photographer. I'm just smiling. Uh, everything's so great and awesome. And there were times like that, man, just where I was like, God, look what you did. Look how beautiful this is. I remember being on a mountain at night, and everything was dark, and I could see so many stars. And I just stopped for a little while turned off my headlamp and just looked up. And I was like, wow, I had a moment of of worship out there. Boy, mountaintop experiences. But there are also valleys. There are times in a race when you're running 200 and something miles. I just want to tell you it's 205 miles. They just call it 200. It's 205. But you're running those. You hit some valleys. You hit some tough times when you're doing it. and, And it gets rough. It gets really rough. And you've got to just try to keep moving. And so uh, I, I don't really have a picture because you don't take pictures of yourself when you're having a rough time. You can go to the next one. It's, uh, this is just, I had blisters on my feet and I was at the aid station and they were covering up my blisters and I still had, I don't know, 100 something miles to go in the mountains with blisters on my feet. But it, it gets rough. And so sometimes, think about this. I, you're running, you're tired, you're exhausted and you've got 80 something miles to go. And you can't fathom, like, how am I going to cover this? I am tired. I am, I'm hurt. I've, got, I've done 100-something miles already. I've got 80-something to go. And sometimes all you can do is think, okay, I've got to get to the next aid station. That next aid station is 15 miles away. I've got to get to the next aid station. And you just put your head down and you go. And then sometimes that's overwhelming. Like, I don't even know how I can do that. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get another mile in. And I look at my watch. I'm going to just get another mile in. And there comes a point in time where you hit the lows so low, you're like, I, I don't even know if I can get another mile. I, I'm just going to get to that ridge or that tree. And you get to that tree, and then you get to the next one. And there is even some times where it's like, I don't even know if I can get to that tree. But I can take another step. And then I can take another step. And you realize that if I take a step and another step, then I get to that tree. And then I get to that ridge, and then I keep moving, and then I get to that next aid station, and then I I just keep moving, and all those steps, all those trees, all those aid stations get me to the finish line, and and it gets hard, but I have to press on. And that's what Paul, Paul's acknowledging here, like, listen, sometimes life is tough, right? Amen? I know we've all had struggles over our lives and, and some of us really tough struggles in the past couple of years. We've got to press on. And sometimes we just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years from now. I, I don't know. I don't know. You don't, you don't have to know. You just take that next step. You just be obedient now to what God's called you to do. I don't have to know everything that he's laid out for me. I just have to be obedient now. I, I don't need to know what I, where I'm going to be in five years, but, but I know God wants me to love my neighbor I know he wants a relationship with me, so I'm going to pray and and spend time with him and read my Bible. Uh, I know he wants me to be faithful to my wife. I know he wants me to share the gospel with the lost and dying. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to take that next step. When that's all I can do, I'm just going to do that. Here's the beautiful thing. When we get to that point where, you know, I know some of us, we have, we want to do big things and big things for God and all this stuff. And then sometimes we get to where, like, all, all I can do is to, today, right now, God, I'm having, I'm having a tough time. All I can do is just sit down and, and just be before you, God. 
That's, that's all I got. You know what? God knows. God knows. And that's good enough. But be giving him what you have and be pressing on, be moving forward. You know, right now it's crazy. That I didn't get the statistics, but the, like suicide numbers are up right now. And that's, 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 that's sad that people are giving up on life. I mean, we are called to press on. We are called to move forward. Because you know why? We have something to look forward to. Amen? So when I'm running a race, I have to keep pressing on. And, and pressing on, it, it entails a direction. The, word, the words that Paul uses here, it's direction. I'm pressing on towards something. I'm not just pressing on and, and lost. I'm going towards something. And when you race a race, it's pressing on to get to the finish line. And so I'm out there, and that's my goal. That's the ultimate goal. I'm taking those steps. I'm, I'm, I'm running to mile to mile. I'm running from aid station to aid station to get to the finish line. And here's what we need to do. The reason we get so defeated and so messed up in life sometimes is because we, we don't keep our eye on the prize. We need to keep our... And see, Paul kept his eye on the prize, so I want to tell you, when I was running the Tahoe 200, it got, it got rough. It got, I hit some of those lows. And at 200 miles, you would think I'd be finished, but I had five or six miles to go. But at 200 miles, there was an aid station. I had to, I had to rest a little bit. Jennifer was there crewing me. And um, I, I have to share this with you. Sometimes it gets really tough. I remember at about 100 miles, um, I'm, I'm, it's dark, it's cold. I have 100 and something miles to go. And... Um, you know, it's, I, I've, I'm putting my headlamp back on. I'm putting, get, getting all my gear and stuff. And, and uh, Jennifer's standing there. I kiss her bye. And I just start, I started laughing. And uh, Jennifer's like, what are, what, are you, what are you laughing at? I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and she said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, see you later. And I ran off into the woods in the dark. <laughs> but... but um, and we, we hit those lows, but we got to keep our, I had, I, had, I had to go. I had to keep going. I had to push forward. I had to get to the, to the finish. I had somewhere to be. And so I remember really vividly at like mile 200 uh, at that aid station, they said, it should take you about two hours to get to the finish. And I'm like, oh, I'm going fast. I got to get to the finish. I'm done. The race started on Friday morning, and this is Monday morning. Um, you have 105 hours to finish. And so, um, yeah, so I'm out there. You're out there a long time trying to get it done in the mountains. And so this is Monday morning. It's like, no, I got to get this done. So I'm, I'm, I'm running. I'm going. I'm going. Got to get to the finish line. Got to get to the finish line. My legs hurt. I'm tired. I'm woozy. I've, if you've ever, any of you ever fell asleep while you're running, that happens. You know, I'm dozing. I'm, I'm weaving. I'm just trying. I got to get to the finish line. And I remember about a mile from the finish line, I heard the music from the finish line. You know, when, when we took off, we're going up this ski slope, running up this ski slope very slowly. And then when we finish, we go around Lake Tahoe and we come back down the ski slope. And so as, as we cr- I'd cross a ridge, I would hear the music of the finish line. And I remember I first heard it. And I, I had finished, you know, quite a few hundred-mile races at, the, at that time, and I, I never get super emotional at the finish. It's always just like, yeah, I finished, all right. You know, I achieved what I wanted to do, and, you know, and then I fall asleep for a week. And then, um, but for this one, like, I heard the music, and whew, 
felt something well up in my throat. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm raw. Then I kept running. I was like, not yet, not yet. Hold it in, hold it in, not yet. And I kept running. I kept running. And then I, music faded because I went around the back of a ridge. And then, and then I came up again and I heard it again and whew, felt it. I started swallowing. Not yet, not yet. Keep running, keep running. And I remember when I came up on the top of that slope and I could see the arch that we crossed to finish. And uh, go ahead and play the video. This is me finishing uh, the 200 miler. All right, that's, that's, I think Jennifer did that. Thank you for recording that. Go ahead and show the next picture. Across the finish line, took off my glasses, and the emotions just came out. Months of training, 73 and an, almost 73 and a half hours of running, being out there, and I had finished. I crossed the finish line. I achieved my goal, and uh, it was hard. Show the next slide. This is what my legs looked like afterwards. But, you know, when you run 100 miles, you, get, you don't get a trophy. You get a belt buckle. <laughs> it's a custom-made belt buckle with some stuff, but you get buckles. It's a Tahoe 200, and it's got leaves from the course and stuff on there. So you get a buckle. They handed me my buckle. I got my prize. And it's, I value this buckle. <laughs> this, is, this is a good buckle. You're not having this buckle. So um, I got a buckle. Show the next one. And, uh, Yeah. And so all the pain, all the suffering, all the fatigue, all the stuff, it was, it was worth it. I did it. I, 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 I finished the race. It felt good. Well, church, I want to remind you, we are running a race right now. And there's going to come a time when you and I, it's going to be different probably for all of us. There's going to come a time when you and I are going to be finishing, getting toward the end of our race. And there might be some time where we start hearing the music. But we're not done yet. We got to keep running. We got to keep moving. We got to keep going. And when I start hearing the music, when I get down to the end of that, I want to be like Paul because Paul wrote later on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when he was right there, he was hearing the music, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. As emotional as I was, Running 200 miles in the woods, that's very trivial, very trivial compared to running the race of life and crossing a finish line at a race at Lake Tahoe is very small compared to what it's going to be like when we cross that finish line and move from time to eternity I don't, I don't think the Lord's going to hand me a belt buckle. <laughs> He's going to give me a crown of righteousness. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, people see this and you post online. People are like, good job and good job. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging and all that. But what I'm looking forward to hearing is 
It's my God saying, and looking down, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Yeah. And just like crossing that finish line, all the pain, all the hurt, all the soreness, all the blisters, it was all worth it. When we cross over in the eternity and we get to spend time with our Lord, all the pain, all the suffering, all the junk that we deal with on a daily basis, you know what? It's going to be worth it. Amen? I want to encourage you today. Assess yourself. Have a plan to live for the Lord. Do the things we know to do. You don't have to have the whole plan. It's going to get tough, but press on. And keep your eye on the prize. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for just your love for us, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us as we run this race, that you empower us to do the things that you've called us to do, that you give us the strength, Lord. We're not alone here running by ourselves, Lord. You, when you call us to do something, you give us all we need to do it, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are found faithful, faithful to do the things you've called us to do, faithful to be the people you've called us to be. So, Lord, right now, I just pray you would just reveal to us, Lord, our place. Just help us to just be committed, Lord, to follow you, to be the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.